We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Be a light in me. Be a light unto the world. Be a light in me. Be a light unto the world. What I love so much about the power of our tradition and the power of the stories that we tell within our tradition and the holidays that we observe within our tradition is that even though the tradition has a particular language, the message that it sends begins with me and us and it radiates out. If it's true in our tradition, it's true in a very profound way, as Carl Rogers, the great humanist therapist said, what is most universal is most particular. And it works the other way around. And so the truth of so many of our holidays in their particularity, in their particularity, in their valence, in their contours, is that they go deep and then they go wide. So the story of Joseph, which of course every single year coincides with Hanukkah, with the holiday of lights. And of course, this weekend, as we observe not only the holiday of light, we also observe the holiday of the sun standing still, the solstice. Lights abound. Lights that we light and lights that are natural light. And the story of Joseph holds all of them as it invokes not only the sun and the moon and the 11 stars that will come and bow before Joseph in his own narrative, but the universal story of hidden light, absent light, light that that has to be found and worked for, light that is secreted away in Egypt and must be discovered in some profound way. All of that in the Joseph narrative, but it begins with a question, which is, how is it that that light is hidden away? How is it that that light known as Joseph finds himself descending into darkness? How is it that Joseph, the great dreamer, finds his way very far from the castle, the prince who becomes a slave, who becomes a viceroy? How is it? It begins very simply with a relationship between his brothers and him. Forget about who is to blame, but what is chief and significant in this story is that something was amiss in the way that they related to one another. This jealousy, this desire to be like, to imitate. So I want to share a piece of Jewish law that I studied this week with a couple of people and that I really am thinking a lot about this week in particular. The Gemara says, the Talmud teaches that when we light the Hanukkah candles, most of us light them on a table, many of us light them in a window, but in the Iker Adin, the source of where we should really light the candles, says the Talmud, is that we should light them 
in the doorposts with the mezuzah, the totem of our freedom from Egypt on one side and the menorah, the totem of our freedom on the other. And for anyone who's been in this shul for maybe more than five minutes, you might know that I often talk about the Jewish people, not as the people of the book, but the people of the door. Before we were people of ink, we were people of blood. Before we told stories, we enacted them. Before we walked out of right one room into another to read, we walked out of one reality into another to be free. We were forged not in front of a lectern, but in front of a false god that we had to sacrifice to prove that we had the courage and the strength to do the impossible and to cross over, to pass over. And so the rabbis, in their vivid imagination, speak of the exodus from Egypt as a deeply physical liberation. But then along come the rabbis and say, you know what, I'm going to connect the menorah, that candelabra that will represent the last of all of the holidays of the Jewish people before exile. The holiday that is the most odd of holidays because it is like a biblical holiday, eight days, but nothing like a biblical holiday because it's all a normal holiday. We're going to take that candelabra and that will become a kind of mezuzah, a kind of symbol of some freedom that we are to remember something that we must liberate ourselves through and from, through the lighting of the candles. So on this week, when yesterday we said goodbye to one very great man, Robert Gedalia, and we mentioned last Friday night, for those of you who don't know Robert Gedalia, all you need to know is this. Maybe you never met him, but had you been here, and you saw a line dance, you would see the Gedalia. The Gedalia, whose name was Lieberman, but took the name Gedalia because in a dream from his grandmother, he was told, you're a Gedalia. This is someone without any Jewish education whatsoever and didn't know that the word Gedalia means Gadol Ya, God is great. Gedulah, to be Gadol. Robert Gedalia, who spent his life telling people as a speaking coach and as a teacher, you have a light. You have a light. You have a voice. You have your own style. You and you and you and each and every one of them. He was a gardener in the in kind of the, the world of soul agriculture. Like he just like helped me irrigate you and you uniquely. And as speaker after speaker stood up yesterday at the memorial of this Gadol, this great one, the salient feature, the essential quality of who he was, was that he saw the light that you were and wouldn't let you trade your light for someone else's. Each and every time you adopted someone else's style, he'd say, imitation is flattery, but it's also a lie. Be you. Be the light that you are. Not the light of someone else, not the light of what you could be in 20 years, but the light you are right now, that is enough. And from that light that you are right now, true to that light, you will be a light. Be a light. When I hear the word gadol, as somebody who's like a little bit steeped in in the Jewish sources, fortunately and unfortunately, I can't help but associate back to the first time that word happens in the Bible, and it happens with the sun and the moon. God says in the book of Genesis, 
God made the two great luminaries, the sun and the moon. And within one verse, those two great gedolim, those two great luminaries became one great one and then one small one as the sun and moon somehow differentiated. And in the imagination of the rabbis, that diminution of the moon becomes known in the literature of our people as the sin of the moon. The sin of the moon. And the rabbis make up a story about that little conversation between the sun and the moon. You see, in the rabbis' imagination, the moon came to the sun, to God rather, and said, God, is it possible for two kings to serve with only one crown? And God said, oh, you're right, moon, go make yourself small. And from that point forward, the rabbis, in their mythic imagination, the moon became small because of her complaint. And for generation after generation, there have been all kinds of interesting explanations of what exactly was happening there. How does we even understand this mythic tale? But I heard a very beautiful interpretation a couple of years ago, and it really speaks to Robert, and it speaks to our people of the door. The moon essentially said, I don't like my light. I want to have sunlight. This Hasidic thinker of Label Iger said, the moon was jealous of the light of the sun. And forevermore, the punishment of the moon was that she, it, whatever, would reflect the light that isn't its own. It would have borrowed light. And to have borrowed light is not to have light. To have borrowed light is to not be the light, but to imitate the light. To be gadol, to be gedaliah, is to be comfortable in your light and then to say to another, now you be you. In your particularity, in your uniqueness, in who you are, not someone else, but you, you. Whether it's you individually or you as a people, as Jews, or whatever ethnicity, whatever it is that you are proud of, who you really are. And to have a gadol space, a Beit gadol, a great gathering space, would be a space where each and every individual in the collective would have their own light, irrespective of their race or their ethnicity. In fact, maybe because of their race and their ethnicity, their particularity would be lifted up within the collective. We would see it, and it wouldn't become an obstacle. It would be beautiful. The sum would be greater because of its parts. Each part seen beautifully, nothing erased, nothing homogenized. Oh, what a world that could be. And so when we place that menorah on the left side of the doorpost as people of the door, we got our physical liberation on the right and when we have our spiritual liberation on the left, we light one candle and we begin with one candle every year to say, it begins with me. Be the light that I am. And then we refuse to let any candle light another candle. Because we don't want any candle to borrow the light. So we had to come up with a whole other candle called a shamash. Like the sun. Shamesh. As if to say... 
that in this ritual, each light stands in its own power. Each light sources itself in what's true, in its own soil, in its own place, in its makom, in its place. It's great to borrow light. It's great to give light. It's great to receive light. But the bondage of Egypt was an erasure of our deep structure as free humans. And the bondage of Hanukkah that we liberate ourselves from is looking at someone else like the brothers of Joseph and being jealous of Joseph's light. Joseph went down to Egypt because his brothers looked at him their jealousy, what burned in them as they looked at their brother wasn't, oh, we have light just like Joseph does, but look who goes, Mr. Light Light. I want your light. Joseph and Jacob are implicated, but the brothers, they could have used a little bit of this. They could have used a little Gedalia looking at them and going, hey, Ruvain, you got your own light. Simeon and Levi and all you guys, you got your own light. So be the light. Be the love. Be that. Invite yourself this Hanukkah to respect, honor, and to act towards your own light as if the world depended on that. In a world where on the extreme right of things, in the doorpost, there are people who hate us because we're Jewish and want to physically harm us. Our clergy team went this week to Jersey City and sat Shiva with the husband of Minnie Ferenc who was sitting Shiva with his two children, surrounded, we were as Jews, Surrounded on the right side by the need to remember the mezuzah that there are people in every generation who want to murder Jews, physically harm us. And we remembered and we reminded him that although it was Jews there, but there was also a non-Jew that was part of that attack. Physical freedom for all humans honoring the power of the mezuzah, and on the left side, extreme left maybe of the doorpost, are people who don't want to even let us be uniquely Jewish in our ideology, in our yearning for a homeland, in our self-determination. And we hold both of those as people of the door. Respect, dignity, aliveness, uniqueness. That is the power of our particular tradition and its universal application. So be the light you are. Shine it and look at someone else and say, I see your light. Don't borrow it. That's yours. Live your light. And you don't have to put the mezuzah in the doorway, just so you know. It was just a sermon. 